we break down the Helinka Gretzky Cup standouts and just an overall recap of the tournament, who won it, who did well. Uh, and we're also going to be breaking down potential dark horse NHL rookie standouts uh, to keep a lookout for uh, as the NHL regular season rolls around. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects-related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. We're going to be breaking down a couple of very interesting subjects for you today. We're going to be starting off with a recap of the Helinka Gretzky Cup uh, and just a breakdown of the standouts from that tournament. There's a lot of names to go through, uh, so we'll, we'll split, split that over two segments to kind of go through. First and foremost, we'll talk about Canada and USA. They're the main standouts. Um, they're we're going to look at Czechia, Finland, and Sweden in our second segment. And then finally, in our third segment, we're going to be looking at potential dark horse NHL rookie standouts, names that aren't at the kind of forefront of the conversation when it comes when you think about kind of high-end rookies heading into the season. Um, but guys who are worth a mention based on what we've seen from so far and sometimes just a hunch in terms of the guys that we like. Um, so before we get into any of that, just make sure to like and subscribe. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you have any questions about prospects or anything you'd like to know, let us know in the comment section below. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So we'll start off with a bit of a recap. Um, so, you know, I mainly scouted this tournament uh, throughout the month of August as we were kind of going through it. Sometimes during work, that kind of thing. Uh, just having some free time to watch some games. Uh, the preliminary games were pretty interesting. It really started off poorly for Canada as they lost nine to six to Team Finland uh, in the pre- preliminary rounds. But it, it was uphill from there. Um, won won their games from from then on in. Uh, they won seven two against Team USA in the semifinal. Uh, on their way to the finals against Czechia, who gave them a run for their money. Czechia was really good in this tournament. Um, they ended up equalizing in the third uh, in the third period against Canada, and then in overtime, uh, in the gold medal game, no one other than a 2025 NHL draft eligible Malcolm Spence win- scores the overtime winner and propulses Canada into the gold medal. Um, so yeah, so far, I mean, we can talk about some of the guys that. On Team Canada, that were really impressive. For me, first and foremost, Berkeley Catton, who's eligible for the 2024 draft, was insane. Um, I really love what I've seen from him. You've watched a bit of him, though. Um, tell me what you like from him just heading into this tournament before having watched any of the Helinka Gressy Cup games. Last year, I I really enjoyed every viewing I had of Berkeley Catton. This is a yeah. player that I think any fan and or scout can really, really appreciate. Uh, Berkeley Catton has a tremendous motor and he's very, very effective playing down the middle. Uh, yeah. he's, he's very, very inside driven. He's constantly buzzing around the spot. He's very intelligent with how he times his routes to open space. And mm-hmm. uh, I think he really expanded on a lot of that in this tournament. I saw some progression based off of what I saw from him towards the end of the regular season in WHL, which were my last viewings of him as a yeah. D-1. And then this year with the with the Helenka, I did see some notable progression in this game, and I thought that uh, he was more confident carrying the puck up the ice in transition than he was uh, in the WHL last season, which was nice to see. 
and uh, I thought that he was one of Canada's best players. And I think that, that you agree on this too. Like he really stood out very positively. And yeah. uh, this, this is a team that uh, may not have the same tech caliber of superstar that it's had in the past. I mean, mm-hmm. Connor Bedard has, has played in, in the past and in, in this type of tournament and, and been the guy. And yeah. this team didn't quite have that. Uh, Michael Misa might become that in a year or two. But this year, I thought that Berkeley Catton kind of took up that, that that mantle as as the go-to offensive producer. And I thought he was playing a very, very good and projectable brand of hockey. Yeah, absolutely. For me, he was their best player, and it wasn't even close. I mean, you talk about some of the other guys that are on that lineup, but for me, Berkeley Catton was the clutch factor for that team. He was carrying most, most of their effort um, in, in, on all three zones. He was pushing the pace. He was driving opponents back into their zone, pressuring them really well. So I was really, really impressed with Catton's tournament. And um, for me, he's kind of put himself in, in the conversation for sure for the top five of this year's draft. He's been really good. Um, on top of that, we had Sam Dickinson, who was a man amongst boys on that blue line for, for Canada. It was really absurd to see him go about it. He didn't seem like he fit there at all. He really seemed like he should be playing pro. Um, not just in terms of his frame, of his physicality, of his of his physical dominance, but also the composure, the, the, the poise with the puck that he had way beyond his years. And he's another guy who's put himself in a conversation for sure at the top end of this 2024 NHL draft class. Um, you know, he's a left-shot defenseman, plays with range, plays with physicality at times, but almost always stays within his parameters, makes sure that he doesn't just throw himself into hits that he shouldn't be. He's not kind of running around like a headless chicken. He's really kind of composed and poised as a defenseman, which is really what I'd like to see in defenseman with that kind of build, that physical build, because a lot of them tend to chase hits. Uh, but those who are composed and poised are really impressive to watch. And that's definitely the case for Dickinson. On top of that, um, for me, Magnus Celebrini had a decent tournament, um, but Malcolm Spence really showed that he is in the conversation at the top end of the 2025 NHL draft. Really, really um, high-end effort level, really good skill level. Sometimes he did look like a 2005. He did look like a player who was a year younger than the rest, um, but the clutch factor on him was ridiculous. I mean, he scored in the last seconds of the first period of, of overtime for Canada. Um, he basically uh, poke-checked a puck away from a from a defenseman who was trying to head into the offensive zone for Czechia, um, poke-checked it away from him, and then just basically rode the entire way to the to the net with a player on his back and then went backhand forehand and just slipped it around the netminder, which is not an easy thing to do on such a big stage as a young player. Really, really impressed with what he gave in this tournament. Um, but talk to me through Maxim Mosse. I mean, he had a really good tournament as well, right? For sure. I'm, I think a lot of people thought that he stood out in this tournament. And while he didn't play the most minutes of, of all of Canada's forwards, I do think that he made the most of his ice time. And uh, he played the checking role to, perfectly to a T. And he reminded me a decent amount of Ethan Gautier in certain ways uh, mm-hmm. from, from last season in terms of really bringing in a ton of energy, being very, very purposeful with what he does it's not it's not just empty calories of 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 putting in all the work and blindly it's always very very calculated which is always what i look for in in players of this style and while his skating uh i think still needs a fair amount of work and he's not exactly a high-end playmaker and he's not going to be a primary offensive driver at the next level this is a guy who is uh in my mind, he his offensive uh, processing and planning projects as slightly above average. 
Uh, he plays with with a lot of physicality, has a very good motor, and is also quite composed under pressure, which is yeah. a really nice combination to have in a player like this. So while he does not project as a high-end producing top six NHL winger, I do think that this is a guy like Ethan Goatsey who could really excel in the middle of the lineup role and can do a lot of the dirty, the dirty work that could also unlock uh, roles higher up in the lineup as a complimentary piece. So I yeah. really did like what I saw. And uh, it was also quite clear that he was really Canada's main physical pre presence in this tournament. He was always bringing that intensity. And yeah. it's always something that I appreciate seeing players do. Absolutely. A quick shout out to Zelta Zane Perek, who played a really good tournament offensively as a defenseman, a really good mobile, creative defenseman with a lot of dare and, and um, kind of activation in this game. Really like what I saw from him. But to move on to Team USA, because they do deserve their flowers, uh, they did win the bronze medal. Um, they had Trevor Connolly on their team, who played an extremely good game. Um, a lot of energy, a lot of skill, just pure raw skill and speed in this game. Uh, really impressive to see. Um, there have been some off-ice issues that have kind of slid him out of the conversation in terms of the 2024 NHL draft, but I've heard some good things since then in terms of what he's trying to do in order to make up for for his mistakes and, and the issues he's created with um, the content he's put out. Um, he's been really um, good on the ice, uh, but especially the things I've heard off the ice have made, made you kind of turn around on him and understand that sometimes you're just a stupid kid. Um, but overall, I mean, Trevor Conley, just the, the, the game that he showed in the Lincoln Gretzky Cup, I mean, it was almost a one-man show for him. Will Zellers was in that conversation for the Lincoln Gretzky Cup, and he definitely played a good game as well as a compliment to Conley, but that was Trevor Conley's team. And the reason why the kind of higher-end USA guys weren't there is just because at the same time as the Lincoln Gretzky Cup, you had the World Junior Summer Showcase, which is happening, um, which includes uh, Team USA White and Team USA Blue. Um, as well as uh, Sweden and Finland. Most of their top-end prospects uh, were at that tournament. We're talking about Cole Eijeman, um and and guys like that. So those guys were out of the picture for that tournament. But um, in terms of the guys that were at the Lincoln Gretzky Cup, I mean, it was Trevor Conley and almost no one else on that game on that team. He carried them most of the time. Um, but that wraps things up for today's episode. Uh, but that wraps things up for to, to this first segment uh, regarding Team Canada and Team USA. Now we're going to hop right into our second segment and talk about the absurdly good uh, Team Czechia team as well as uh, Finland and Sweden, which had good tournaments. We'll get into it right after these messages. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so moving on to our second segment, we're going to start right away with Team Cheka because we can't wait any longer before talking about these guys. They had a fantastic tournament, almost won the gold medal against Team US and uh, against Team Canada. They did a really good job in this tournament. They gave them a run for their money, um, carried them all the way into first overtime where Canada just 
barely slipped by and managed to score a goal in order to win the game. But Cechia was definitely in it the whole time. And at the forefront of this Team Cechia team, the cornerstone for me for them was at the back end. It was Adam Juracek, David Juracek's younger brother. David Juracek was a top five pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Um, sixth overall, almost top five. Sixth overall, almost top five. He should have been top five. He should have. Uh, but yeah, Adam Juracek, David Juracek himself has said that his brother, his younger brother is better than him. Um, and there's an argument for it. They play a very similar game, I'd say, um, in terms of being very toolsy, very dynamic, uh, very powerful players with some warts and some rawness that can be developed out of their game. I feel like Juracek plays very similarly. I'd say Adam Juracek's skating stride is a bit more sound, though, uh, than David Juracek's. Um, but what have you liked so far from him, and what do you see him becoming at the NHL level so far? I know it's early, but we have to talk about it. I see him stylistically a bit different than than David Yerichek, and mm-hmm. I do think that both are are toolsy, mobile, t- two way defenders for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that Adam Yerichek brings a type of skill and fluidity that David did not have at the same age, especially yeah. after his injury, uh, like his, his leg injury at the World Juniors in his draft year. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I think that Adam Yerichek is is perhaps more dynamic offensively, but he just doesn't have the same physical presence that David had at the same age either. So mm-hmm. I do think that also just in terms of, of their, like how, like their, how they've grown like, like physically mm-hmm. uh, has also impacted how they've played differently at the same age. And yeah. while they might converge to a more similar style with time at the moment, I see them as quite weirdly different prospects despite stylistically having some similarities. Yeah. But I think what, what's impressed me the most with, with Adam Yerichek has, just been his consistency. Like he was playing 30 minutes a night at, in this tournament. And I, I was able to scout a game and a half of that. And uh, basically everything was pretty positive. Like, yeah, there were yeah. a couple mistakes, but this is the Hoenka Gretzky tournament. These are all 18 year old kids. This isn't, mm-hmm. it's never the most uh, polished hockey. It is also yeah. the first hockey that they play going into this season, right? There are always going to be some hiccups, mm-hmm. but I thought that Adam Yerchek was one of the few players that, didn't seem like he had to shake off any rust in this tournament and i was i was especially impressed with how he was um layering his his different tools together whether it be his his deception his mobility uh he he was really showing some some really really deceptive like like fake passes going into a shot and vice versa that i did not see in any d minus one tape that i was really really impressed by and as a whole, the the early, 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 very early season tape of Adam Yerchek's has been better than any other defenseman in this draft class, for, from mm-hmm. my perspective. I yeah. think uh, Cole Hudson's the next closest, but that's a very different style and uh, completely different. And there's a lot more asterisks to that projection, whereas yeah. I think Adam Yerchek, uh, at, at least as of right now, for me, is a pretty safe top seven piece uh, in the 2024 NHL draft class. Absolutely. Um, for me, he's put himself even in the top five conversation. That was extremely impressive what I saw from him. Uh, but a quick shout out to two other Czechia players who played fantastic tournament uh, t- tournaments. First and foremost, Adam Benyak, who is a 2025 NHL draft eligible. Ten points in five games uh, for Czechia. Led them in points uh, and played fantastically. He was all over the place. Really composed, really mature. Um, just overall in terms of the habits of his games, nothing that really stands out as kind of raw or junior-like. Um, he plays a very professional game, and for a guy who's 16 years old, uh, is just absurd. 
so I'm excited to see kind of what happens with him and and how he develops into the 2025 NHL draft because so far from what I've seen at the Holinka Gretzky stage, he was fantastic. Um, and then Matej Kubiesha, who also played a very good tournament, um, was kind of a very good compliment to Adam Benyak on that first line. Uh, both of them played really well off of each other. Um, two very good, very mature players, and it really showed in this in this tournament. They were able to outthink and outplay a lot of their opposition, even against Team Canada. They were constantly finding warts and and flaws in the defensive uh, in the defensive formation to exploit. So those are two guys I was really interested in, and I'm excited to see where that happens, where that goes. Uh, but then we've got Finland and Sweden to talk about. We'll start with Finland. I really liked uh, Tomas Suoniemi's game. He is a 2024 NHL draft eligible who I didn't really have on my map at all heading into this tournament. Um, but he was tied with Emil Hemming, who was already on my radar a bit. Um, both had nine points in five games in this tournament and, and led the led the charge for Finland. Um, they're very different players. I'd say Emil Hemming is more raw, but a lot more physically built. Um, for sure. So definitely the type of guy, he reminds me a bit of a Casper Haltonen in terms of just a profile that he brings, a kind of power forward scorer type yeah. of player. Um, loves to take shots, loves to get open, that kind of thing. Um, but you've watched I, I, a bit I of quite, him, so. I've watched a little bit of him. Uh, so very, very early notes. I, I think the the, co- the the comparison to Casper uh, Haltonen is, is mainly founded in the fact that he is also a right wing power forward that is quite large i mean he's six foot two 194 uh and he's a june 2006 born so he's quite young for this draft class too and the frame does not quite reflect that that youth uh for the draft class and yeah um i I think uh i'm very curious to see how he does if he gets any pro minutes this season and he Mm -hmm. should with tps and uh tps is always a bit of an interesting program to see how how young players play especially draft eligibles but uh, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful it'll get some types of opportunities because a lot of good players have been leaving that program. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that they want to hold on to some youth. And Emma Hemming is exactly the type of player who, with his physicality and a really good goal scoring touch, it, yeah. he could easily find his way into that lineup. And absolutely, he's the type of player that stylistically uh, works quite well in pro leagues, especially a pro league like Liga, which gives yeah. players a lot more time and space than other pro leagues in Europe. Absolutely. Uh, and in contracts, Thomas Sonyemi is a lot more of a sneaky, elusive type of player. Plays a really mature, pretty kind of developed uh, off-puck game. Um, really like the forechecking elements in this game as well. Was really involved in the forecheck and just kind of disrupting opposing uh, breakout attempts and stuff like that. He's really good in, in terms of defending the rush, creating turnovers, and, and just jumping the other way. Um, and that really fit well with Emil Hemming's tendency to move off the puck and find space offensively. Um, with Shoniemi being a good playmaker, being a good distributor, but also having that scoring touch. I was fairly impressed with the well, the well-roundedness and the maturity in Shoniemi's game. So I'm excited to see what happens with him as the year goes on. But he's a guy I'd keep a look at as, as a potential kind of late first-rounder. Um, and then moving on to, to Sweden to end things off, they had a couple of very good players. Um, first and foremost, I think that Alexander Zetterberg and Hugo Zetterlund were two of their best players. Um, Zetterberg especially, I mean, I really liked the kind of sneaky quickness to his game, not necessarily in terms of the speed, the, the straight line skating speed, the puck carrying speed or anything like that, but just the quickness of execution and the quickness of, of just reaction time when it comes to digging out loose pucks from corners, um, you know, jumping on rebounds, stuff like that. He was very quick in terms of his overall execution, which I was really impressed with, um, same a bit for Hugo Zetterlund. I'd say Zetterlund is a bit more of the elusive and sneaky kind of quick uh, carrying type. 
Um, so those are two guys to keep him, uh, an eye on kind of moving forward. And Alex Villen for me was probably their best uh, defenseman in, in this tournament. I really liked what I saw from him. Um, the, the type of kind of big rangy defenseman who skates smoothly, which is kind of what you're ex- you expect out of Swedish defenseman at this point. Um, yeah. But at the same time, he, he brings a puck carrying game and, a, and and some vision that I really was surprised with. I wasn't expecting that from him. So I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on him as well. Um, you know, for, for Sweden did have some decent elements in this tournament, but nothing that really kind of matches what we saw from Finland and Czechia, uh, especially Czechia. I mean, they, they just, they astounded me with the level of quality that they played with the cohesiveness of their, of their kind of lineup. Um, especially at the top end, their top six, their top defensemen were really their top elements. Um, and, and that's what really carried them through this tournament. So I was really surprised with that. Um, but that wraps things up for our second segment. Now we're going to go into our third segment, breaking down some potential NHL rookie dark horse um, breakout candidates, guys that aren't necessarily kind of mentioned usually when we're talking about top end prospects and rookie can- and, and uh, Calder candidates and stuff like that. But some interesting names that would be interesting to keep a look at as we move forward. So we'll get right into it on this episode of Lockdown NHL Prospects. All right, so to end things off for today's episode, we're going to be talking about some potential NHL dark horse uh, rookie candidates in terms of having breakout seasons. Um, Players that aren't necessarily at the forefront of the rookie conversation, but could really have some interesting breakout seasons. Um, There are some interesting names here to talk about, some guys that either played a couple games already or on the verge of playing their first game, stuff like that. So uh, we'll talk about it here moving forward. We do want to start with Sean Farrell because Sean Farrell is fun. Um, one of the, one of the smartest players to come out of the NCAA last year. Um, for me, he just, he just screams hockey sense and the way that he plays the game, the inside drive that he's added to his game, the ability to play between checks, the ability to forecheck well, uh, to defend well, to read the game extremely well. He just mentally his his he's got it locked down. I mean, he's the type of player who you can trust when he goes out there to make the right decisions. And he played a couple of games for the Montreal Canadiens. I believe he had one assist in six games or something Correct. like that. Yeah. Um, or one goal in six games, something like that. And one, yeah, one he, goal in six games. Exactly. So that goal was really a fluke. He just threw it. It on was the an ugly one. On. It threw it on net and went in somehow. Well, one of the ugliest first NHL goals I've seen in my life. But yeah, um, he has an NHL goal and I don't. So who am I to say? (laughs) But yeah, Sean Farrell, uh, what did you like from him in those six games? And especially what did you like from him in Harvard that you think could translate well to the NHL this year? I definitely think he's the most raw player that we have uh, in this list of forwards. Uh, And we'll we'll have a segment in the future episode where we break down like defensemen that we think are going to break, break out as dark, as dark horses in the NHL. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, look, the Habs have created some space uh, in their lineup, and there there is a path where Sean Farrell can start the season with the first team, like mm-hmm. uh, playing in the NHL. Yeah, uh, I think last season, what was really quite clear, both in Harvard and also in his little six game stint with the Habs, is just how important it, it is for him to work on his skating. I think yeah. the the mobility was really quite clear, the one deciding factor, because there were there were some really nice sequences where even on, I, I believe it was the, the play where he scored his one goal. He had a great little play in the defensive zone to to exit with control along the boards, uh, like really quite like battling with with a defenseman along the boards. And yeah, uh, he he's a very creative problem solver. He he likes to to use the boards to get around defensemen too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that all those tools are going to help him a ton. However, it doesn't really 
come into use if he can't actually skate around those defensemen when he tries those things. And he's going yeah. to need to to really work on especially his explo- his explosiveness in like through two or three steps to get around players. He doesn't need to be an absolute burner to be effective. He just needs to be the first onto pucks because he's always yeah. the first player to react in those situations. But he doesn't have that explosiveness to actually win those races despite having the head start. Yeah. And I think that's one important thing that he'll need to work on. But whether he starts the season in the NHL or in Laval, I do think that having more pro minutes and getting more accustomed to that pro level pace is going to be really important for Sean Farrell. And mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a, a quite clear path in the next like maybe two or three seasons for Sean Farrell to become a middle of the lineup playmaker. And he's very, very intelligent. He brings that intensity. He can be a bit of a Swiss Army knife in the middle of a lineup. He's worked on his shot a ton. He can be a trigger man on a second power play. There are many different roles that he could embody. And I'm curious to see what the Habs do with his development. But uh, my my guess is he gets into maybe like 30 or 40 games this season and mm-hmm. maybe puts up something like five goals and 10 assists or 15 assists or something along those lines. Yeah. A bit along the lines of what Jesse Alonen was able to do in, in depth minutes last season. Yeah. That would be realistic. Now, moving forward to uh, Daniil Gushchen of the San Jose Sharks. Um, personal favorite. favorite of both of us. Uh, yep. Really interesting player. The, the the effort level really kind of jumped out, and the defensive game has also really improved in the last couple of years. He headed into his draft year as kind of a, a pure high-octane offensive player, um, but has really molded his game and developed his game in really interesting ways that kind of complement and elevate that skill set even further. Um, the goal scoring ability has always been really impressive. The playmaking ability has always been really good. The hands have always been really good. And the skating has always been pretty impressive. But what was really missing in Gushin's game was a B game. And now he has it. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, he would, I feel like he would be able to hold his own, even in a checking role on a fourth line. He would be able to do a decent job. But he's a point to game NHLer, Hattie. This is a player who's, <laughs> who scored a goal and an assist in two games. Like, yeah. he's on pace to score 82 a season for the rest of his career. Exactly. Uh, That's how it works. Absolutely. Exactly. It's just like how Ryan Paling scored a hat trick as a rookie. And it was like, okay, this is a player who is now going to consistently score 200 goals a season, yep. which totally worked out. Um, Absolutely. But. I fully agree. Daniel Gushin is one of those players that just brings me infinite joy to watch. <laughs> and uh, especially I, I was able to watch him live a couple of times in the OHL uh, in his, in his last junior season. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it was hilarious. It like whenever he was on the ice, no one came close to his level and yeah. uh, it was a ton of fun. And Daniel Gushin in, in, in my view projects as a highly skilled dual threat uh and also quite defensively capable middle six uh, winger. And mm-hmm. he's just so much fun. And San Jose Sharks fans are going to be very, very happy to be able to watch him for years to come. Absolutely. I'm really interested in seeing where he goes. Uh, we do also need to mention Matthew Nyes uh, for of the course. Toronto Maple Leafs. I feel like he's got a decent opportunity to showcase his skill ca- skill set and um, how good he is at complementing high-end skill players. I feel like him and William Nylander would form a great pair um down the line um you know he he can fill that michael bunting role fairly well for sure in terms of just an overall swiss army knife energetic physical presence it's just gonna bulldoze players around and 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 create space for his teammates i think that he can really do that fairly well um and and he's so intelligent like he is really smart there there are very very few nhl rookies that i've seen in the last three years that are as 
capable scanners as Matthew Nyes is. His head is constantly on a swivel and Mm -hmm. he processes all the information that he gathers really quickly. And I think that's a very, very key thing in order to complement those elite level players because you have Mm -hmm. to be able to not only think the game at the same pace, but be able to react at the same speed. And And read it, I think Nyes really can do that. Mm -hmm. So while I don't think that he projects as a potential line driver necessarily, I do Mm -hmm. think that he's a capable and toolsy uh energetic winger who thrives in situations where he can really leverage his intelligence to create advantages yeah and uh moving forward to lucas reichel who is going to need almost definitely going to be playing the whole season in chicago this year with Um, connor bedard he's going to point a game yeah no exactly it's going to be it's going to be absurd to see he played uh in the i believe 34 games last year um, he, he played twenty something last year and like eleven the season before, something like that. And yeah. and I, I feel like this year is really the year where we're going to see a permanent kind of presence from Lucas Reichel in the Blackhawks lineup, and for good reason. I mean, he's energetic, he's skilled, he's got an inside game that's really interesting. He's able to push through pressure and and find open space in the middle of the ice. He's really improved his defensive game as well since last year. So I'm really interested in seeing kind of how that plays out for him. But I'd expect somewhere in the range of kind of maybe. 40 to 40 to 55 points for him um, this year. That wouldn't be kind of out of the question. Um, anything more than that, you're laughing. I mean, for a player for sure. who uh, could play the whole year in, in Chicago, a team that's not necessarily contending by any means. Um, yeah, if he's paired with Connor Bedard, watch out. Um, but then I, I just want to talk about a player who I, I just have a hunch about. Um, there's nothing that really indicates that he's going to have a breakout year. I just have a, a weird feeling that this might be the year for him. And it's Alexander Holtz um, out of New Jersey. Now, he has stagnated so far in the AHL, hasn't been really been able to work his way into the New Jersey Devils lineup permanently, but I just have a weird feeling that this year could be a very interesting year uh, for Alexander Holtz as he develops um, a game that is reliant on more than just goal scoring, because he's a fantastic scorer, his shot is insane, um, and he's got some decent pace to his game as well, he's able to react quickly, get into open ice quickly, but what's been really holding him back from the NHL is really just the fact that he's had to, he's had to develop his goal scoring to a point where it's, it exceeds expectations that it was reaching in the AHL or in the SHL. He was able to get the points that he did in those leagues because he had more time to react. He had more time to get into open space and, and, and find those pockets. Now he's having to think very, very quickly on the fly. And I'm curious to see how that goes, uh, goes for him. Um, and I feel like this year he could, work on just the right things and develop enough confidence that he pierces into a, the lineup in a third or second line role and then works his way up uh, and becomes kind of the goal scoring forward that we all thought he would be when he was drafted. Um, but to end things off, talk me through Ridley, Greg. Uh, you wanted to add him in, in this kind of uh, in this conversation. I like Ridley, Greg. I think that he's going to be a middle six piece eventually. Um, what makes you think it's this year? I think that Ottawa is uh on the one hand, embracing the youth movement that is yeah. uh, kind of coursing through that team. <laughs> and on the other hand, it is a team built on the philosophy of intensity combined with a decent amount of skill. And that describes Ridley Gregg perfectly. He's not a line driver. I think he's he's likely a, a lower end version of Matthew Nyes, but I think there are some stylistic comparisons between the two. Yeah. Ridley Gregg uh, brings a ton of intensity and... Uh, in his short NHL stint last season, I saw a player who was not lagging behind the play mentally. I thought that he was playing uh, up to par and it wasn't just blindly just like 
putting in the effort level to 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 keep up with play. He was really, really quite like, in his element in the NHL, and yeah. I'm curious to see how that looks like going into a season rather than at the end of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my view, really, Greg is a player who uh, fits Ottawa like perfectly, genuinely, and mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's a player that could be a very, very long term like mm-hmm. like like core piece of a third line in Ottawa yeah. and they already have a lot of high end players in their lineup right like mm-hmm. really Greg never has to compete with guys like Norris Stutzlin Kachuk but yeah. he can be a focal point on a third line and I, I also think he's the type of player that can really do quite a a valiant job of playing up in the lineup yep. if need be if there are injuries and Ottawa mm-hmm. always does have a couple injuries Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, everything I've seen of him has been very, very good. And I got in some live viewings of him too when I went over to the CTC, which is an awful commute from downtown mm-hmm. Ottawa. But uh, it was always worthwhile. And like Ridley Gregg was always a very positive standout in those live viewings too. I thought that he was communicating well with his line mates. I, a couple of times I was able to actually hear him up from the nosebleed. I was hearing Ridley Gregg screaming at his line mates, which was pretty funny, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which is also indicative of a fair amount of confidence for a rookie like this is the guy that had like 10 nhl games under his belt and i i heard him commanding teammates around on the ice uh mm-hmm. so a lot of that is quite positive and i know sense fans absolutely adore this kid mm-hmm. but yeah yeah really greg is a pretty fun player absolutely now that things or that wraps things up for today's episode thank you very much for tuning in if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe uh and at least a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about and if you have any questions that you want us to address on the show we're always very receptive to that uh and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day make sure to check out locked on sports today they've got all your news and updates about the sporting world and what's going on around uh sports in general and make sure to tune in for our next episode uh as we break down um, some more uh, kind of prospects content and talk you through uh, some more hot takes, um, interesting kind of breakout candidates that we haven't talked about on defense and other stuff like that. Uh, this has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.